0: Hey, okay, let's take our Bibles this morning <clears throat> turn to Genesis chapter 49 with me, Genesis 49. <clears throat> Genesis 49 and just read verse 22 and then we'll open in prayer. Genesis 49 verse 22 says, Joseph is a fruitful bower, even a fruitful bower by a well, whose branches run over the wall. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that we can be here today. We thank you, Lord, for the, the time we spent around the Lord's table. We thank you, Lord, for the, the singing in praise to your name. We thank you now, Lord, that we can gather, and consider the, the scriptures before us. Lord, I pray that this morning you would help us to come with hearts ready to receive your word. I pray, Lord, you give us understanding of the passage before us. Lord, I pray that you would empower me through the spirit now. You Give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that Lord, it would be your words and your thoughts. And that Lord, this morning, all praise and glory would be given unto you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been going through Genesis Uh, chapter 49 of late and we've been looking at each of the prophecies or the the benedictions which were prophecies given unto Jacob's 12 sons and in the first 21 verses he's addressed all of his sons now except for two he has two to go Uh, the two sons born unto Rachel his favorite wife the one that he loved the one he labored all those years to marry you know, Rachel, of course, she'd been barren for many of the, those years. She'd watched on as uh, Leah had given Jacob six sons. She'd watched on as the two handmaidens, Bilhah and Zilpah, had between them given Jacob four sons. And it was only after all this that God finally uh, blessed Rachel with a son. Let's just go back to Genesis chapter 30. Just quickly, Genesis 30. Genesis <clears> 30. Genesis 30 and verse 22. It says, And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened unto her, and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son, and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. And so we read here that God remembered Rachel. He took away her reproach. He opened her womb. And after all those years, he he heard her prayer he saw her affliction the lord blessed her with a son and Rachel here calls him Joseph and the name Joseph if you remember it means may he add and so she names him this uh, as an expression of thanks unto God for the, the son that God's given her but also an expression of faith that God would bless her with at least one more son and of course God answered that prayer and she gave birth to Benjamin just before she died in genesis chapter 35 and so in god's perfect timing he blessed rachel with these two sons joseph and benjamin and of course these two held a special place in jacob's heart because they were the sons of rachel and he's addressed all of his sons now and he's left these two until last and so his final words are given unto these two sons and he begins here by addressing Joseph, his beloved son, here in verses 22 to 26. And these are not actually the the first words of benediction that Jacob has given unto Joseph. Okay, if you remember in the previous chapter, chapter 48, Joseph has already had a special audience with his father, one on one, and he had his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, present. And in chapter 48, there, as he brought his two sons before Jacob, uh, Jacob adopted joseph's two sons as his own and he placed his hands upon them and he blessed them now, he blessed them declaring a prophecy upon them concerning the tribes bearing their name and so joseph was given the birthright he was given the double portion of the inheritance you know two tribes would come from him ephraim and manasseh and they would both be large and blessed tribes and so he's already had a uh, quite a a wonderful benediction given unto him by his father. And so now in chapter 49, he's actually given a second benediction. And this one, you know, having already had a private audience with his father, we might have expected this one just to be relatively short. But in fact, it is the longest given in chapter 49. It spans five verses. And this morning we want to consider only verse 22. And then tonight we'll look at the other four. Just want to look at verse 22, focus our, our attention here on Joseph's fruitfulness. In verse 22, it says, "Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall." Jacob begins his benediction by declaring that Joseph is a fruitful bough." You now jo- Jacob before this <coughs> excuse me Jacob before this has characterized his other sons using animals. You know, he talked about Judah being a lion. He talked about, uh, last week, if you remember, Neftali being a hind let loose. And so he's, he's used the analogy of an animal and their characteristics for some of the other sons. But here, Joseph is unique. He's characterized as a fruitful branch, an image that clearly expresses a fruitful life. And so those who with me this morning, we're going to look at three truths concerning his fruitfulness we see first of all here this morning the evidence of his fruitfulness the evidence of his fruitfulness the words joseph is a fruitful bough they really do sum up joseph's life it's an appropriate description of him because his life was marked by fruitfulness not just in one way too in many ways his life was marked by fruitfulness You know, that fruitfulness is certainly seen in a material sense, isn't it? You know, in the physical prosperity that he enjoyed at every stage of his life. You know, there was hardships, but in the end, he prospered. God blessed him. You know, Joseph, as we know, you know, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was carried down into Egypt. He ended up in the the house of Potiphar, uh, the captain or the officer of Pharaoh, And Joseph begins life in Potiphar's house, of course, as the newest servant, the the lowest servants. You know, he starts at the bottom, but it's not long before he rises to the top. And he is Potiphar's most trusted servant. Genesis chapter 39, let's just go back there, refresh our memories on all these things. Genesis 39, verse 1. Genesis 39, verse 1, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hand and so joseph here it's not long before he is prospering even as a servant in potiphar's house he's prospering and potiphar notices that and potiphar here exalts him and gives him this position of authority and so joseph's fruitfulness can certainly be seen in potiphar's house you know then of course he was falsely accused by potiphar's wife he's thrown into prison and so All that prosperity is stripped away, isn't it? Cruelly taken away from him. And now he finds himself in prison. But once more, it's not long before he is prospering even there in prison. He is exalted. Chapter 39 and verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison committed all to joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there he was the doer of it the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the lord was with him and that which he did the lord made it to prosper and so again we see that word prosper even in prison joseph is prospering even in prison we see his fruitfulness and then, of course, finally, he is exalted from the prison to the palace. He's raised to be in second in command over all of Egypt. He's called before Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream and his life there in that the palace is marked by fruitfulness. Let's just turn to chapter 41 and read verse 39. <clears throat> Genesis 41, verse 39, it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as, the, as God has showed thee all this, There is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee and he made him ruler over all the land of egypt joseph goes from prison rags to the riches of the palace the, being second in command and so indeed again we see his life marked by prosperity by fruitfulness you know there were trials along the way there was great great hardship along the way but his life was one of fruitfulness you know joseph himself acknowledged this aspect of his fruitfulness when he named his son ephraim In chapter 41, verse 52, this is his second son, of course, it says in chapter 41, verse 52, and the name of the second he called Ephraim, for for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so with the naming of his second son, he acknowledges this fruitfulness, he acknowledges that God had caused him to be fruitful, to be prosperous in a foreign land. so we can easily see how this description joseph is a fruitful bow. we can see how it easily is is fulfilled in a material sense physical prosperity that he enjoyed you know while joseph was fruitful materially he was more importantly fruitful spiritually he was fruitful spiritually joseph's life was marked by the fruit of the spirit just turn over with me to galatians chapter 5 We have listed for us the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. <clears throat> it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, Paul, he lists for us the, the fruit of the spirits. We see them all there. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You know, as you read that list, it's not hard to straightaway see how they're evident in joseph's life you know for instance long-suffering is clearly evident in the life of joseph you know one commentator defined long-suffering as a patient bearing and enduring of present evils with joyfulness now perhaps there is no better description of joseph's character than long-suffering you now he suffered so much wrong in his life and yet he bore it all patiently now he's thrown into a pit then sold as a slave by his own brothers he's then falsely accused by potiphar's wife he's unjustly thrown into prison and then he's forgotten by the butler and spends two more years in prison and yet through all these trials all these afflictions we see joseph patiently bearing the evil brought against him now we see him being Long-suffering. And his response during these times towards those who afflicted him was always love. You know, yet another fruit of the Spirit. You know, for instance, when his brothers years later came down to Egypt to buy grain, Joseph's heart was full of love and compassion towards his brothers in spite of all that they had done unto him. He still loved them. He was not full of bitterness and hatred. He's full of love and compassion. You know, we talked about it when we looked at it, but the tests that Joseph put them through were designed by God to bring them to repentance. Joseph was simply obeying the Lord in all those things he did. You know, when he hid the the money in the sack and then he put his cup in the sack, all those things. It was designed by God to bring them to repentance. He didn't do those things out of anger or bitterness towards his brothers. He loved them. He wanted to reveal himself unto them. He couldn't wait to tell them who he was. And we see his love for his brethren clearly revealed when he reveals himself unto them in chapter 45. Just go there. At the end of all that, in chapter 45, when he reveals himself, we see clearly this love. Genesis 45 and verse 1 says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him and jo- while joseph made himself known unto his brethren and he wept aloud and the egyptians and the house of pharaoh heard and joseph said unto his brethren i am joseph doth my father yet live and his brethren could not answer him for they were troubled at his presence and joseph said unto his brethren come near to me i pray you and they came near and he said i am joseph your brother whom ye sold into egypt now therefore be not grieved nor anger with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Now here we see clearly his love, we see his forgiveness of his brothers. You know, this is something that only the Spirit could produce in Joseph's life. This is not the reaction of an ungodly man. This is the reaction of a man whose life is marked by godliness. That's where this love comes from. Not only that, but we also see the fruit of meekness in his life too, don't we? You know, Joseph's life was marked by meekness at every turn. You know, meekness is defined, if you like, as humility and lowliness of mind. And Joseph demonstrated that at every stage of his life as he humbly submitted to the authority that God placed over him. You know, whether that was at home as a a young teenager, he submitted himself to his father's authority. You now when his father called for him and to send him out to see what his brothers were up to, he said, here am I. There was a humble submission. There was respect for his father's authority. When he was in Potiphar's house, he showed respect unto Potiphar as the master of the house. When he was in prison, he showed respect to the keeper of the prison. You see, no matter where he was in life, Joseph demonstrated this humble submission to authority and a submission to God's will. Even when he was raised to be in second in command over all of Egypt, Joseph was humble. He was meek. You know, we could go on. We could look at the the joy of the Spirit in Joseph's life. We could talk about his faith. We could talk about temperance. The point is that all the fruits of the Spirit are evident in Joseph's life. You see, he was more than just being fruitful, prosperous in a material sense. Joseph was fruitful in a spiritual sense, which of course is far better. His life was characterized by godliness. He was a fruitful bough. Now that brings us now secondly to consider the source of this fruitfulness. We talked about the evidence of the fruitfulness. Let's talk now about the source of this fruitfulness. Verse 22 in chapter 49 says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well. Now Joseph's fruitfulness is clear for us to see. We just talked about that. We've highlighted it. And so the obvious question then is what was the source of this fruitfulness? You know, why is it that Joseph produces so much spiritual fruit, is so godly, and his brothers are like shriveled up branches, aren't they? With no fruit at all. What's the difference between him and his brothers? well jacob gives us the answer in verse 22 there he says even a fruitful bough by a well he's by a well now this is the reason for his fruitfulness he was located by a good water source now we all know that for a tree to be healthy and for it to be fruitful it needs to receive proper nourishment there must be a good water source nearby and so just like any physical tree the reason that Joseph bore much spiritual fruit is because he was planted by a good water source. He's planted by a well, and that well, of course, was God and his word. You see, Joseph spent much time with the Lord. He spent much time. He, he developed a relationship with God. He spent time meditating on God and what God is like, the character of God. He spent time meditating upon God's revealed word unto him. You know, the dreams that God gave him when he was a 17-year-old, he remembered them all throughout his life and he meditated upon them. He thought about them. What do they mean? What's God teaching me? You see, Joseph maintained a close relationship with his God and this was the source of nourishment. This was the reason that he was so spiritually fruitful. And his brothers were not. This was the difference. And we see the evidence of this close relationship that he kept with god in the way that joseph considers god at every turn of his life you know for instance when potiphar's wife persistently tempted him to commit adultery with her joseph was able to resist that temptation why because he considered the character of god turn over to genesis 39 with me Genesis 39 verse 7 says and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon joseph and she said lie with me but he refused and said unto his master's wife behold my master worth not what is with me in the house and he hath committed all thing all that he hath to my hand there is none greater in this house than i neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife how then Can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about that time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. There was none of the men in the house there within. Joseph here, as he's tempted, day by day, you know, Potiphar's Potiphar's wife constantly, persistently is hounding him to sin. And this young man who's far from home, far from any family influence, is able to say no, able to resist. Why? Because he had a relationship with God. And that's clear because as soon as he's tempted, what is he thinking about? He's thinking about God and God's holiness. And he's thinking this is great wickedness in the eyes of God. That's what stopped him from sinning. His relationship with the Lord. You know That relationship is again clear when he's thrown into prison in chapter 40. Verse 6, let's read that, chapter 40 and <clears throat> verse 6. says, And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you here we see joseph is now in prison for a crime that he didn't commit and he notices the heartache of two fellow prisoners the butler and the baker he notices their heartache and when they explain to him that it's because of the dreams that they've had what does joseph do he immediately responds by saying my god is the interpreter of dreams he says do not interpretations belong to god you see he knew his god had the answer and so immediately he points them to God. He points them to see that God is the answer to their problem. Again, Joseph's relationship with God is the reason he knows this. It's the reason he responds like this. Now we see the same thing happening in the next chapter as he stands before Pharaoh, chapter 41, verse 15. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 14. Chapter 41, verse 14 says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in under Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, that Thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Joseph here is standing before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I've heard that you can tell me the interpretation of a dream. And what does Joseph do? Immediately he magnifies God. He says, it is not in me, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. He says, I can't, but God can. You see, once more, Joseph's focus in this situation, his concern in this situation is that God be glorified, God be honored in everything that he does. Now, finally, we see the evidence of Joseph's relationship with God and his response to his brothers in chapter 45. Just turn over there. Chapter 45 and verse 5. It says, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years, in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve your posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. Again, his response to his brothers here is marked by what? The Lord. He constantly says, God hath done this. God hath done this. He makes it clear to his brothers that he understands that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God had a a purpose and a plan in what they did unto him. God used it for good. You see, Joseph's life was marked by this relationship with God. If If you study it, basically every time Joseph speaks, he speaks about God. He points people back to the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. His relationship with God, whether it was in Potiphar's house, whether it was in the prison or the palace, God had first place in his life. This was the well, the well that Joseph was nourished by. It was by abiding close to the Lord and his word that Joseph was fruitful. Now, this is the principle that's presented to us in Psalm 1, isn't it? We know it well, but let's turn over there. Psalm 1. (coughs) In Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's the principle the psalmist declares here. The psalmist says that the man who meditates in God's word day and night has this close relationship with the Lord is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. This perfectly describes Joseph, doesn't it? He was like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And indeed, it should characterize our lives as believers as well. You see, God's desire is that we be fruitful Christians. And the only way that can happen is if we dwell by the well of God's word. Now, all too often, we abandon the well and we neglect the well. We spend little time at it. And the result is... That we become fruitless we become withered up branches you see we must daily draw nigh unto God daily spend time in his word drinking, receiving the nourishment that only God's word can give we must abide to the world if we're going to produce spiritual fruits now we've seen this same principle on Wednesday night in first Peter haven't we in first Peter chapter two and verse two Peter says this he says that we are to as newborn babes desire or crave the sincere the pure milk of the word it's only as we crave we desire god's word that we grow and we produce this fruit this was the source of joseph's fruitfulness this is what made him a fruitful bough he dwelt by the well, and that brings us now thirdly to consider the extent of his fruitfulness We talked about the evidence of his fruitfulness, the source of that fruitfulness, and now the extent of his fruitfulness. Verse 22 again. It says Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. Jacob here concludes this thought of fruitfulness with the words, whose branches run over the wall. the picture here is of a tree whose growth is so healthy, it's so vigorous that its branches are now reaching over the wall. They're they're reaching over the fence of the, the field where it was planted. The branches are reaching out, they're extending over new fields. And thereby others are now blessed by its fruits. You see, in these words, Jacob is highlighting for us how Joseph's fruitfulness has been a blessing under so many other people. His branches have extended over the wall, far from home, and he has blessed so many with his spiritual fruitfulness. You know, Potiphar was blessed by Joseph's fruitfulness. Just go back again, to Genesis thirty-nine. I know we're turning around a bit this morning. Genesis thirty-nine. Let's read from verse one with me again. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard in the Egyptian, brought him at the hand of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him, How did Potiphar see the Lord in Joseph? It's because he saw his spiritual fruitfulness. He saw there was something different about this young man who was now a servant in his house. There's something different about his attitude, the way he conducted himself, the way he behaved himself. The evidence was the fruit of the Spirit in his life. That's how Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. Now his branches also extended into the prison where the prison guard noticed that there was something different about Joseph. Verse 21 of the same chapter, chapter 39, says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did the Lord made to prosper, again in prison there is something different about Joseph, and the prison guard notices. He notices the fruit of the Spirit in his life, and so he he trusts Joseph. He exalts Joseph to this position above the other prisoners. Joseph blessed the prison by his spiritual fruitfulness. His branches also reached into the palace of Egypt, didn't they? He was a blessing unto Pharaoh, and indeed unto all of Egypt. Go to chapter 41 verse 38 with me. In chapter 41 and verse 38 it says this, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, see, I have set thee over all the land sorry i missed the verse i was looking for it's verse 38 and pharaoh said to his servants can we find such a one as this a man in whom the spirit of god is it's the verse i should have started at. sorry verse 38 pharaoh himself looks at joseph and he says can we find anyone else who the spirit of god is in he sees the difference in joseph Again, it's Joseph's relationship with God. It's the the spiritual fruit in his life that Pharaoh sees. You see, the point is that all of these men, Potiphar, keeper of the prison, even the butler and the baker in prison, Pharaoh himself, they were all blessed by Joseph's fruitfulness. They were exposed to the one true God through him. His branches reached over the wall. You know, I wonder today, could we be described like Joseph as a fruitful bough? You know, are we dwelling by the well of God's word? Ever deepening our relationship with him so that we might produce spiritual fruits? You now, Could it be said of us that our branches are running over the wall? You know, is our testimony the spiritual fruit evident in our life and, and being a blessing to those around us? now is our life pointing them to see the savior i trust that it's true today let's close in prayer dear lord and heavenly father we thank you so much for your word this morning we thank you for joseph and lord the wonderful example that he is unto each and every one of us lord his life was marked by spiritual fruitfulness Lord, because he dwelt by the well and he was a blessing unto others lord i pray that that might be true in our own lives lord help us to daily drink from the water of your word draw nigh unto you so we might be fruitful and so lord our branches might reach over the wall we might be a blessing unto those around us pointing others to see the savior lord pray you work in our hearts this morning bless as we close and as we depart from this place and we pray this in jesus name amen